A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. So let's talk the beautiful game because we have uh, Liverpool facing a massive month on all fronts, whether it's Europe or domestically. And Liverpool have a very big game on Sunday night. They're going to be hosting Tottenham in the Premier League. And they've got uh, Porto in the Champions League in the uh, quarterfinals on April 9th and 17th. And also a game against Chelsea on April the 14th. Uh, Look, a lot of us out there, Neil, including you and I, who obviously, when it if it had to be a choice between Man City and Liverpool, as a neutral, we'd go for Liverpool. Yes, 100%, because I've said this on the show many times, and I'll keep saying it. Um, nobody wants a one-horse race year after year. Nobody wants a money-driven mm. uh, empire, which it is. And I go the other way when it comes to Liverpool supporters and where they are. Of course, Liverpool fans will be disappointed if they don't win the title. Mm. That goes without saying. But they shouldn't be angry. That's the wrong word because they're overachieving. I mean, hugely overachieving. I mean, I've got a stat here. If they stop playing today, right now, they've already got more points than the whole of last season. They've got 75 points. That's more than last season with seven games still to play. Mm -hmm. So Liverpool are massively, massively overachieving. There's still scars, though, aren't there, from a few years ago when they were in pole position and there was a slip from Steven Gerrard in a game against Chelsea. They lost, I think they were... Three goals up uh, at Crystal Palace and and drew three all. Which was actually the bigger mistake. Mm. People focus on the Steven Gerrard slip because it's so romantic, it's so poetic, it's Mm. such a Shakespearean tragedy. Mm. But the truth is, Crystal Palace was the killer. I know. And and I remember that running very, very well because I was doing an uh, English Premier League TV show at the time. So, of course, we desperately wanted Liverpool to win Mm -hmm. just to change the narrative. But they were on a downward slide before that, they were already dropping points before that. They were already slipping. The performances were just less than 100%. Yeah. And Man City were running into form. We're seeing it now. You know, although they're winning games, they're only just winning games. Yep. I wrote about the Fulham game. What a nightmare that was. Mm. In fact, I did a journalism talk just last week and I used that uh, Liverpool game as a case study as how, how tough journalism is because you know this, Jason. I've written my piece Liverpool 1-0 up, mm-hmm. back on track, job yep. done, it's all yep. over. Then there's a catastrophic defensive error, yep. echoes of Steven Gerrard, yes. in the 70-something minute. So I've got to rewrite all of that, you know, echoes of 2014, echoes of Gerrard, history coming back to repeat itself. I've got to rewrite that. Then they get the late penalty. <laughs> Luckily, late penalty. So I've got to rewrite it again. Yeah. I wrote three intros in five minutes. That's the life of a sports writer. You're on deadline because you have to send the story oh, so it gets uh, published in the new paper. You write the regular columns for them. So that's what we do as journalists. We have to write until the last moment and try and think ahead how it's going to finish. Yeah, yeah. Then... I mean, I've often written two uh, introductions at the same time, one for the win, one for mm. the, the loss. So, that, But that Liverpool game neatly epitomises where Liverpool are at. I yep. mean, they're winning. But it's very, they're just winning. Mm. You know, uh, Manchester City are cruising. Other teams are cruising at the moment. But Liverpool are only just winning games. They're hanging on. So you're absolutely right. This is the make or break game. They will not face a tougher, I've checked their fixture list. They will not face a tougher match than Tottenham for the rest of the season. I know they've got Chelsea. Yeah. Big game, but not as big as this. But there is a bit of a, you know, when we look back a couple of years to October 2017, when Liverpool lost 4-1 at Spurs, and this was yeah. when Liverpool realised, Neil, that they had to make defensive improvements. And I know you mentioned the Fulham game, there was a bad error. But overall, Liverpool's defence has improved a lot in the last 18 months. Virgil van Dijk, 
He's the reason, pure and simple. You know, sometimes they there was the accusation that Jurgen Klopp overspent 75 million. Now it looks like a bargain. If Virgil van Dijk was not in that defence, they would be struggling to make the top four. Mm. Because they, even now, they're still conceding. They're still conceding goals. They had to score two to beat Fulham. Fulham are down. They're relegated. They're yesterday's news, but they still needed two to beat them. So it's all down to Virgil van Dijk. He's about to be homeless. Have you heard that story? No. Hilarious story. He lives in a rented property owned by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, <laughs> right? The Solskjaer's... Who's just been confirmed as Manchester United manager for three years uh, from his interim position. Correct. The Solskjaer's were building their dream home when he was still at Manchester United. It's supposed to be a palace mm-hmm. with like four acres of land and so on. And then he gets the mouldy job, mouldy job, mould <laughs> yeah, job yeah, yeah. In, in Norway. So... The family goes back because they're Norwegian. He's got this beautiful house, dream home, Mm -hmm. that he had been renting out to footballers because they're the only people who can afford it, (laughs) right? Virgil van Dijk goes in there, loves it, thinks it's a dream Mm -hmm. home. Solskjaer gets a full-time job. So (laughs) van Dijk got the call yesterday or the day before, you've got a month's notice and then you're out, mate. Clear (laughs) off, my family's coming. Uh, So yeah, Virgil van Dijk, great player, about to be homeless. mm, And just a quick word on uh, Solskjaer's uh, confirmation. It really seems to be a a well-deserved contract of three years. Yeah, I I wrote a column about that for the new paper and there was a couple of angles and I now wish I could have written both. I mean, the angle I went with was the the more empirical angle, which is why he got the job. Mm-hmm. And he got the job very simply because he's, he's returned the club's emphasis to youth. Then they'll no longer... You see, people forget that Alex Ferguson and David Gill, who was then the chief executive, they actually had a very strict transfer policy during their heyday, which was, we will not sign any footballer over the age of 27 unless there are special circumstances. Mm. Robin Van Persie was the obvious yeah. exception. That all changed with Jose Mourinho and Louis van Gaal. It was buy quick, buy now, buy Bastian Schweinsteiger. His legs are in Germany. Mm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> buy him anyway, yeah. right? You know, buy Matic, buy uh, Luis, uh, Luis Sanchez, buy uh, Alexis Sanchez. Mm, mm. All of that has changed now. It's back to basics. Solskjaer has already promoted young players from the youth academy. You'll see more of that. You'll see a return to the old transfer policy Younger players with potential will be signed rather than like Van Dyke. Mm. Uh, you see, this is the irony. Liverpool and Manchester City, but certainly Liverpool, have actually stolen Manchester United's template. They're buying younger players, paying top dollar, but they're buying younger players. Alisson, uh, Virgil van Dyke, play- Wijnaldum, players mm. with it ahead of them. Yeah. So now Manchester United, ironically, are playing catch up with their own template. They've got to go back to how it used to be. That's the good news. The strange news for me, I don't know what you think of this, Jason, I don't really know what the rush was. I mean, he wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't going back to Norway. I don't see what harm it would have done just to let him get to the end of the season. Mm. doesn't affect their transfer policy. They can't buy anybody now. They can still do their negotiations behind the scenes. I would have just let him go to the end of the season because they've had two defeats. If they lose against Watford, they probably won't. But if they lose against Watford... Three defeats in a row, and it, and it starts. Before he's even settled into the job, it starts. Mm. So that's my only concern. I don't see why they couldn't have waited to the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think they could have waited another month at least. It you doesn't know. hurt. It doesn't hurt. I, I guess that they may be concerned that um, someone might try and poach Solskjaer showing that... Mouldy. Maybe go back to Mouldy. <laughs> All right, this has been the Beautiful Game segment. We'll have more from Neil shortly here on Money FM.